Shalom, this is Rabbi David Tilkiger of Congregation Mayim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Meshicheinu Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear. Amen. Parshanaso, which is in uh, Sefer Bamidbar, or the book of Numbers, chapter 4, verse 21 through chapter 7, verses 89. And uh, if everyone has their Tanakhim, you can get them out or your Bibles. And I want to uh, begin with just a brief overview of the Parsha before we get into the Drash. So we begin this week's Parsha with the dis- uh, dividing and the assigning of the subsections of the tribe of Levi. You know, last week's Parsha ends with the numbering and assigning of uh, all the tribes of Levi. And we started last week with B'nai Kohat, who were uh, responsible for the items of the Kodesh HaKodeshim, or the Holy of Holies, and all that is pertaining to it. And then we move into this week's Parsha, and Parsha Naso, and the next group that we discuss is B'nai Gershon. And the Torah says about their avodah, or their service, if we flip to uh, Numbers chapter 4, verse 25 through 26, we just read today. It says, they are to carry the curtains of the Mishkan, the tabernacle, and the Ohel Moed, the tent of meeting, with its covering, the outer covering of Takash Hyde, the curtains for the entrance for the tent of meeting, the curtains surrounding the courtyard and the altar, the curtains for the entrance, the ropes, and all the equipment used in its operation. They are to do all that needs to be done with these things. And then we read about the, uh, the third group, which is B'nai Morari. And it says about B'nai Benari in uh, chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. It says, this is their task in the service of the tent of meeting. The frames of the tabernacle, its crossbars, posts, and bases, as well as the posts of the surrounding courtyard, plus their bases, tent pegs, ropes, and all their paraphernalia with everything related to their operation. So we begin this, this partial with breaking down of the subsections of Shebet Levi, or the tribe of Levi. And then chapter 5 begins speaking about sending out of the inner camp those who are made tame or unclean due to bodily discharge, sarat, and anyone who has come in contact with a corpse. Then the Torah continues to speak about a man or a woman who commits any sin against his or her fellow man. And breaking the mitzvot ben adam lechavero, which are the commandments between man and his brother. These commandments are so important that they are the first commandments we hear about after Hashem speaks to Asirat Hadabrot of the ten words on Mount Sinai. Likewise, Yeshua reminds us in Matthew chapter 22, verse 39, that the second greatest command is, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Hashem spoke to the nation of Israel from the top of Mount Sinai, 
And he said to them in Exodus chapter 20, verse 2, Anochi Hashem Elohecha. He said, I am Hashem your God. Asher Hotzetecha Me'eretz Mitzrayim Mi'bet Avadim. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And as soon as Hashem finished the Asirat Haribur, the ten words, the first things we read about in Parsha Mishpatim are commandments that have to do with mitzvot ben Adam lechavero, or commands between man and his brother. We read in this week's Parsha, Parsha Naso, in chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. Hashem spoke to Moses, saying, Say to Bnei Yisrael, Whenever a man or a woman commits any sins against any person, thus breaking faith with Hashem, that soul bears guilt. And where it says breaking faith with Hashem, that word in Hebrew is ma'al. And ma'al means to literally to act treacherously. So Hashem considers these mitzvot ben Adam lechavero so important that when you walk contrary to them, you are considered as if you had acted with treachery against Hashem himself. Something to think about, right? Then we continue on in verse 12 of chapter 5, talking about the sota, or the wayward wife, and all the procedures that follow these accusations. And they're exactly similar to what uh, Moshe did after the Egel Zahav, or the golden calf. You know, making all Israel drink the waters as if they were a sota. They had already broken the covenant. Moshe smashed the tablets on the ground and, you know, ground up the calf and made all of Israel drink the waters. This, this Torah portion is just packed full of stuff, y'all. We also have the laws of the Nazir, or the Nazarite vow, in chapter 6. We see the Birchat Choanim, Hashem placing his name through the priests onto all Bnei Israel. We hear about Moshe completing the tabernacle. And we read about the Nasim or the princes bringing their offerings. And our Sidra ends telling us how Moshe, when he entered the tent, heard the voice of Hashem from the cover that was on top of the Aron Habrit, or the Ark of the Covenant. So there's one unique thing about Parsha Naso, and that is that it's generally the Parsha that we read after Shavuos, which is, of course, the commemoration of the Matan Torah, or the giving of the Torah. It has the distinction of being the longest Sidra in the Torah having 176 pasukim, or verses. And our sages say that this is corresponding to the longest Tehillim, or Psalm, which is Psalm 119, which also has 176 pasukim. Just as we have the custom of staying up all night and studying Torah on the night of Shavuos, just as we did last week, everyone reading together, you know, and this showing the simcha, or the joy that we have in Hashem and His Torah, we spend these long hours all night engulfed in the word of Hashem, so likewise, the first Parsha we read after Shavuos is the longest Parsha in the entire Torah. So we enter Shavuos in a state of meditation on the word of Hashem, and we exit the Moed, or the appointed time, in a state of meditation on the word of God. And to Hillam 119, or Psalms, chapter 119, David HaMelech, King David, praises Hashem for his Torah and pleads with him to teach him his ways. He speaks of the greatness of God's Torah. This Sidra, Parsha Naso, is the most lengthy of all the Parsha in the Torah, and this shows just as David HaMelech shows in Tehillim 119, our love of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Holy One, blessed be He, and the joy with which we rejoice in Him and His Word, specifically at this time immediately after Shavuos and the Matan Torah, or the giving of the Torah. So I was thinking about these things a whole lot, right? Shavuot, the Matan Torah, the giving of the Torah, and I was sitting back thinking about it, and I said, so... What makes this Torah so great? And I know that's an odd question, and everybody's, you know, 
just thinking, well, that's a crazy question. But anyways, you know, Hashem gave this Torah to the nation of Israel from Hashemayim, from the heavens. And from a quick read or a brief review of it or even from a, you know, in-depth scholarly perspective, it just seems to be a book of archaic laws, irrelative rituals, and uh, ancient Middle Eastern narratives. But every single week, just as we did today, when we take the Torah out of the ark, we point up to that Torah and we say, We say, and this is the Torah that Moshe placed before the sons of, Ad of, the sons of Israel from the mouth of Hashem in the hand of Moses. When we say this, though, we are stating that this word, the Torah, comes directly from the mouth of Hashem himself. One of our sages, who's a second century rabbi, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, says, Woe to the man who says that the Torah, or the instruction, came simply to relate stories and tales of mundane matters. He says, woe to that man. He says, if it was so, even at the present day, we could produce a Torah from simplistic matters. He says, perhaps even a nicer one. If it came to illustrate worldly matters, even the rulers of the world have among them things that are superior. And of course, he means according to what the world calls wisdom. In Tehillim or Psalm chapter 94, verse 1, we read, The Lord knows the thoughts of man, that they are vanity. The world's wisdom is vanity. And Rav Scholl tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 19, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in the sight of God. And then goes on to quote the same verse from Tehillim 94, verse 11 that we just read. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai continues in his comment, and he says, However, all matters in the Torah are of a superior nature and are uppermost secrets. Rav Shoal tells us in Romans chapter 7 that the Torah is holy and that it is spiritual. It's not carnal. And he continues in Romans chapter 8, verse 7, and tells us, The mindset of the flesh, which is the wisdom of this world, is hostile to God. For it does not submit itself to the law of God, for it cannot. Then why, when we read, you know, through the Torah, it seems to have so many carnal commands, ordinances, and narratives applying to worldly matters? Our sages of blessed memory did not see the Torah in such a way, and neither did our master Yeshua, or Rav Shaul, and neither did David HaMelech. But in Tehillim, chapter 119, the same psalm that our sages connect with this week's Parsha, Parsha Naso, David HaMelech beseeches Hashem with 176 verses. And I selected just a handful of these verses that I'm going to read, kind of to get the understanding and see, see how David, you know, thought about this. He says, I rejoice in the way of your testimonies above all wealth. There's no wealth equal to the word. I rejoice in your word as one who finds great spoil. It's above all wealth. He says great spoil is the greatest of spoil. David continues, he said, Help me discern the way of your precepts so I may meditate on your wonders. From your precepts, I get discernment. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He says, give me understanding that I may keep your Torah and observe it with all my heart. So I may always keep your Torah forever and ever and walk about in freedom. For I have sought your precepts. 
and Pirkei Avot are the ethics of the fathers that we read in the Mishnah. Rabbi Nechunya ben Akana says, anyone who accepts the yoke of Torah upon himself, they lift from him the yoke of the government and the yoke of the way of the world. Similarly, John says in his first letter, he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Rabbi Nakunya ben Akana continues and he says, and anyone who casts from himself the yoke of Torah, they place upon him the yoke of government and the yoke of the way of the world. I mean, think about a wild ox. You know, and the Tanakh testifies to this, their great strength and their destructive abilities. They're dangerous beasts, especially in herds, until you take the yoke and you place it on his neck. Then he becomes a tool for cultivating the land and preparing the fields to farm. David Hamelik continues, he says, Forever, Adonai, your word stands firm in the heavens. He says, I have seen a limit to all perfection, all the perfection that can be attained in the world. He says, yet your commandment is boundless. And lastly, he says, open my eyes so I may behold wonders from your Torah. The Torah is a book of wisdom. It's the greatest of wisdom, and not a wisdom that is of this world, but al-pi Adonai, from the mouth of Hashem himself. Just as Moshe saw the tabernacle in Hashemayim when he was on top of Har Sinai and made a replica in the physical, so all of the Torah is a reflection of spiritual matters that emanate from the divine wisdom of Hashem. And it is a reflection of spiritual matters then all of its mitzvot, its decrees, and narratives should be handled with the utmost care and be read in holiness as if they were at this present time being spoken to us from Mount Sinai, having a profound effect on us and our lives, meaning when we walk in obedience to Hashem and His Torah in this world, we not only have an effect on the world we see around us, but also an effect in the heavenlies as well. For the divine wisdom of Hashem to be intelligible to man, who is a finite and physical being living in a finite and physical world, the Torah has to speak in the language of men. As an example, just as we see in many places in the Tanakh, we see the Malachim or the angels come down in the likeness of men to relay and accomplish the word of Hashem. Though they are spiritual beings, in like manner, the divine wisdom that Hashem gave to Yisrael had to be clothed in a garment recognizable to man. Ralph Shaul says the Torah is spiritual. You got to remember that old cliche, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover. And I know many of us, we do that. We still, we'll read through it sometimes. We're like, man, that's some old school stuff right there, you know. <laughs> but we got to stay in the right mindset when we read Hashem's Torah. In a similar manner, the Master Yeshua in Matthew chapter 13, verse 52, he says, Every Torah scholar discipled for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure both new things and old. And the wisdom of this treasure, which is Torah, is directly connected to Hashem and his divine wisdom. This is the same wisdom that is responsible for all existence, whether physical or spiritual. It is capable of connecting us directly to Hashem and bringing rectification to our souls, others, and even aspects of the creation itself. It's able to direct us in the way of God and not in the way of the world. And it is capable of teaching and guiding us like life's GPS through this world and into the world to come. 
into the Olam Haba. So to read the Torah as if it were simply a book of rules and ancient narratives and irrelative rituals is to separate the Torah from its source and leave us with just another book. The Torah speaks to us directly from the divine wisdom of Hashem himself. So in stating that, I want to kind of divert for a moment and step back all the way to the beginning and get to some basics. So Hashem created a world of contrast right from the very beginning. He made light and darkness. He made up and down the heavens and the earth, hot and cold, happy and sad, day and night, good and evil, physical and spiritual. It's like Sir Isaac Newton states in his third law, for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction. So there will always be contrast in this world. This is Hashem's design since the beginning. And we can read it in the first verse of the Torah. In Breshit or Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, we read, Breshit bara Elohim. In the beginning, God created et hashemaim ve'et ha'aretz, the heavens and the earth. Ve'ha'aretz ha'ita tohu vavohu. Now the earth was chaos and waste. Ve'choshech al tahom. And darkness was on the surface of the deep. The Ramban, Rabbi Moshe ben Nachman, says in his commentary on the above-mentioned verse in Breshit, he speaks about the word that we translate as God, Elohim. And he says the root of the word Elohim is El, which means force or power. And the word Elohim is a composite consisting of the words El and Him. As if the word El is in a construct state, and Him, literally meaning they, alludes to all other forces or powers. Thus, Elohim means the force of all forces or the power of all powers. It's like it says in Deuteronomy, Enod Milvado, there is none besides him. Hashem is the only power, the only force responsible for the creation. All its aspects, whether physical or spiritual, its divine providence, its continued existence, etc., etc. He is the cause, he is the source, the sustainer, the substance, the first, the last, the entirety of the creations, whether spiritual or physical, are subjugated to him and exist by him and through him. And we find all this out in the first verse of the Torah. And he continues to say, Ramban continues to explain about this verse. He says, the simple and correct explanation of the first verse, Breshit 1.1, is as follows. In the beginning, Elohim, the power of all powers, created the heavens, meaning he brought forth its matter from nothing. And the earth, meaning that he brought forth its matter from nothing. So right there in the beginning, we see the heavens representing the spiritual and the earth representing the physical. We see that contrast from the first line of Torah. He said, the Rambam gives a great explanation for the first verse of the Torah and brings to light a major biblical principle in saying that Hashem is the power of all powers and that he created the creation from nothing and that there was absolutely no materials to work with and that it was Hashem himself alone that made nothing into something. Now we go to verse 2 of Breshit, chapter 1. It says, Veha aretz ha'ita tohu vavohu. Now the earth was chaos and waste. Vechoshek and darkness, alpinei tahom, was on the face of the deep. This word tohu that we translate as chaos can also be translated as emptiness or confusion. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, we read what Rav Shaul tells us, that God is not a God of confusion, but of shalom. So how do we explain this statement by Rav Shoal in 1 Corinthians when we see in the beginning that Hashem created the heavens and the earth and that the earth was confusion, emptiness, and chaos? Our sages, this, now this is an explanation. It's not meant to be taken literally. This is a, you know, Midrashic interpretation. But our sages say that in the beginning, God, through a process of restricting his infinite light, what we call in Hebrew tzimtzum, he restricted his infinite light and formed a vacant space in which the creation could take place. He limited his infinite eternal power to make a dwelling for man. And this limiting of the infinite eternal created the tohu, or the confusion. It was a place where the glory of Hashem is not completely and openly revealed to the creation and visible to them. This in turn caused the tohu, or the confusion, which is somewhere that Hashem's glory seems to be hidden or restricted. It says, V'choshech al pinei tahom, darkness on the face of the deep. In Tehillim, chapter 18, verse 12, we read, He made darkness his cover, his sukkah all around him. I mean, look at the state, the greater state of the world that we live in. A world that does not walk according to Hashem's ways. It's a place of tohu. It's a place of confusion where everything is two-sided and constant conflict is inevitable. Nothing in our world seems to get along. There is so much contrast that everyone in the world holds to one extreme or the other. Again, Hashem decreed that it would be so from the beginning, and we see it in the first pasuk or the first verse of the Torah. Hashem created the heavens and the earth. The heavens representing the spiritual and the earth representing the physical. We see contrast from the get-go. Now, in bringing to light Hashem's sovereignty and the great contrast we see in the creation, I'll now return us back to the conversation that we were having before about Shavuot. So in Shemot or Exodus chapter 19, verses 10 and 11, Moshe is preparing B'nai Israel to receive the Torah on Har Sinai. And we read there, Hashem said to Moshe, Go to the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow. Let them wash their clothing. Be ready for the third day, for on the third day Hashem will come down upon Har Sinai in the sight of all the people. We see here Hashem comes down from Hashemayim, from the heavens, to bring B'nai Israel the Torah, or the divine wisdom. Right here we see two contrasting opposite realities collide, the heaven and the earth. But Hashem didn't just come down from Hashemayim, from the heavens. He came down from even greater heights, meaning from beyond all that he had created. As we learned in Brashit chapter 1, verse 1, Hashem brought all existence into being from nothing, the heavens and the earth. So I'm going to give us an example of the great contrast and opposing forces we see at play in our physical existence so that we are able to bring illumination to the Matan Torah, the giving of the Torah. So you have a husband and a wife, and this will relate to most, except for the, the youngins. You know, in the fire of taiva or lust, or what most people call love, is kind of burned out in that relationship. And it seems that the relationship has died. You know, and this love is really just a feeling or an emotion brought about by a simple chemical reaction in the body from one's hormones, pheromones, and other audiovisual stimulation. So they begin to realize that they are nothing alike. 
It's like that old adage, you know, women are from Venus and men are from Mars. Totally true. That's a fact. I mean, we all know that. But their marriage begins to fall apart. They have continuous troubles, problems, anguish, arguments. They can't even seem to agree about a place to have a nice dinner, which is also a very widely reported phenomenon amongst married couples. Then one day the wife comes home and says to her husband, I'm pregnant. We are going to be parents. And at that moment, they both realize that they are not the center of the universe and that they have a greater calling in their lives than to just be themselves. They are now going to be parents with a greater cause that brings them both into the realm of a higher purpose. Their relationship experiences a great tacoon or rectification, and now they are both working for a greater purpose in unity despite their own personal differences and contrast that we see between them. This is what we see in Gan Eden in the Torah in Brashit chapter 2, verse 23, where we read, A man clings to his wife, and they become one flesh. This is also the meaning of the verse we find in Brashit chapter 46, verse 27. In Hebrew we read, Kol ha-nefesh lebet Yaakov. It says, All the soul from the, from the house of Yaakov. Haba'a mitzrayma shivim. It says, Kol ha-nefesh. Not nefeshot, it says all the soul, singular soul, not plural nefeshot, from the Yaakov's house who came from Mitzrayim was 70. The Torah refers to B'nai Yaakov as nefesh, a collective soul, not nefeshot, meaning, that soul, meaning souls in its plural form. This is similar to the man and his wife who become one flesh. B'nai Yisrael, or the children of Israel, are referred to as one soul because their service of a higher purpose binds their souls together and brings unity to their individuality in contrast. When Hashem came down on Har Sinai and brought with him the divine wisdom, which is Torah, he brought B'nai Yisrael a higher purpose. He didn't bring it down so that you would be righteous. He didn't bring it down so that you could flaunt your holiness. And he didn't bring it down so that you could be good and not bad anymore. Because we see in this world all kinds of people that we would even say about a man, he's a great guy. You know, he does all kind of good things for people. Yet he is not serving the higher purpose according to what the divine wisdom of Hashem has decreed and may even be helping to conceal Hashem further from the creation, as we saw in the beginning, which is the cause of the tohu or the confusion that we see. Hashem brought the Torah down from beyond the heavens so that B'nai Israel could be in perfect unity, serving a higher purpose which is Hashem's purpose, and in turn bring Hashem's purpose to the entire world. He revealed to B'nai Israel something greater than themselves, greater than their individuality and contrast, so that they would be able to bring a world of contrast into the unity of the divine wisdom and purpose of God. It illuminated them as people, like, like we say they're the light of the world, to bring the light of the revelation of Hashem to the creation, which at its present time, seems to still be in a state of tohu or confusion. Hashem created a world that he is not totally and open, openly revealed in in order that man whom he made in his image would reveal and make known the glory of Hashem and bring this revelation throughout the entire creation. We see that there is only one man able to bring the divine wisdom to all men, the living Torah, and that would be the man, Mashiach, Zidkenu, Yeshua, our righteousness. 
He came, and because of his walking perfectly in accord with Hashem's divine will, was able to bring about changes in the physical and spiritual world, which would be able to bring about the greatest rectification to the creation that could and will ever be accomplished. By his obedience, he has brought the divine wisdom, the Torah, to all the world. Whether they obey it or not, you know, that's kind of up to them. As it says in Yeshiahu or Isaiah chapter 2, verse 3, and also in Mika chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Ki mitzion Torah, Uravar Adonai Mirushalayim. We say it every week in our Torah service. For the Torah will go forth from Sion and the word of Adonai from Yerushalayim. The Master Yeshua was the living Torah who walked perfectly in the ways of Hashem. We are to emulate his, Him, walk in Hashem's Torah, and be tools of fulfilling Hashem's purpose for His creation, which is tikkun olam, the total rectification of the world. If we don't walk about in obedience to Hashem and His divine wisdom, we are doing nothing but concealing His presence more in the earth. We must reveal His presence in the unity of the Ruach, which should be drawing you to the obedience of His Torah, and thus bringing unity to all his children and illuminating the world with his righteousness. This isn't just a matter, though, of our physical obedience, right? Because the act of our physical obedience does not make us feel closer to Hashem. Obedience is the recognizing of authority and the submission to it. Obedience is not an expression of closeness, but rather an expression of distance. Just as we have an earthly king who makes decrees from his throne in a palace separate from the entire kingdom. But we need closeness to Hashem. We have to cleave to him. And closeness can only come when we are invited by the person we want to get close to to participate in something that is already close to him. In this case, it is Hashem we wish to cleave to, and that which is close to him is his divine wisdom, in which he gave to Moshe on Har Sinai. And that which King Mashiach walked out perfectly without even the slightest concern for his own life. For the sake of sharing in this and walking about in the image of God. In Proverbs chapter 8, Shlomo HaMelech or King Solomon begins writing about the wisdom of God and says it cries out from the topmost heights to all men. In chapter 8 verse 22 through 31 we read about this wisdom being with Hashem in the beginning. It says, Adonai brought me forth, the first of his way, before his works of old. From eternity I was appointed, from the beginning. Before the world began, I was the craftsman beside him. I was his daily delight, always rejoicing before him, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. Hashem came down on Har Sinai at the Matan Torah, at the giving of the Torah, and brought his divine wisdom which was with him since the beginning and asked us to participate with him in his wisdom to bring about rectification to his world. Likewise, Yeshua walked in the Torah perfectly and showed us what a true son of God should look like so that we may emulate him and come to the unity of a greater purpose in this world of contrast. He brought Torah to the entire world and brought and will bring the complete tikkun or rectification in its time. We have to remember that we are not our own. We are servants of the Most High God. It's easy to forget. Who by his will and power rule over every aspect of the creation, both physical and spiritual. 
all contrasting forces, whether good or evil, spiritual or physical, are all in submission to our God. We read in Yeshayahu chapter 45, verse 7, it says, Yotzer or. He says, I form light. Uvore choshek, and I make darkness. Ose shalom, I make peace. Uvore ra, and create evil. He says, Ani Hashem ose kol ele. I, the Lord, do all these things. Hashem is the sovereign Elohim, the sovereign power of all powers. As the Rambam explained in his commentary on Genesis 1-1 that we read earlier. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, we all know this, Rav Shoal tells us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the worldly forces of this darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Hashem told us that he created these things, that he is the sovereign king over all, but we, we are in a war with evil. Why is that? It's because we choose every day to conceal Hashem's image in which he made each and every one of us in and perpetuate the tohu or confusion that we see in this world. Torah is able to rectify these contrasts in our lives by our devotion to a higher purpose. There is no confusion in Hashem's service, only shalom and perfect peace. Rav Shol continues in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, and he says, And take the helmet of salvation, which is the word of hope, the, the hope of redemption of all mankind that protects the mind from the way of the world. And he says, in the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the Torah of Hashem. How do we fight in heavenly places? How do we bring tikkun or rectification? And why are we repaying evil with good? So don't allow yourselves to be in this state of tohu anymore, or confusion. No more chaos, no more confusion and emptiness. Yeshua HaNotsri is Mashiach Sidkenu. He is our righteousness. And the Torah of Hashem is our spiritual sword and the X factor that can unite and bind all of our hearts and souls in the unity of Messiah and in turn correct, connect us directly to Hashem himself. May Hashem grant us all the wisdom, understanding, and knowledge through his Ruach HaKodesh to emulate Mashiach Sidkenu, Messiah our righteousness, so that we may be in unity walking as one in accord with his divine wisdom, which he brought at the Matan Torah on Shavuos. As it says in Tehillim 104.31, may Hashem rejoice in his works. And may Mashiach come soon and in our days. Amen. Avinu Shabbat Shemayim, our Father in heaven, we thank you for every second that we get to stand in your presence. We thank you for Mashiach Zidkenu, for Yeshua, our righteousness, Father. We thank you that we have someone to look to he said, just as Moshe raised up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man is raised up. And for all of us to look upon him, Father, and emulate him and walk in your Torah and reveal your glory to all the creation. Father, when we leave here, let us all leave here able to impact every person that we come in contact with, Father. It says that the nations will see and they'll say, oh, what a great people that have all these statutes and commands. 
They'll see what a great God you are, Lord. And we'll just draw people to your infinite glorious light. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray. Amen.